Well, I was getting such great feedback from you guys, and I was getting so many liberal progressives who were attacking me with nonsensical arguments like, you don't know what you're talking about, and you need to go take an economics class. And I'm like, I have an MBA in business. We've taken quite a few economics classes. So I decided to do another one. Today is going to be a TED Talk, which is a self-proclaimed capitalist who is the creepiest Marxist communist I've ever heard of in my life. We'll get to that in a second. Before we do, this is How to Build a Tent. Thank you for watching the show, sharing the show with a friend, part of the FLF Network. Go over to flfnetwork.com, put an HGBT in a memo field to get a sweet 15-ounce mug, tons of other great benefits as well. You can email me, Matt, at howtobuildatent.com. Find me on all the social media sites, How to Build a Tent. Appreciate a subscribe, a like, because you know the liberals are going to be down, <laughs> down thumbing this one. Thumbs downing this one is another way to say that. And they're going to give me terrible reviews. So please get in the fight and do those favorable reviews and share the show, like it, and we'll get into it right now. I want to start off with the end, like I did last time, because the good stuff always comes at the end. And again, he's a capitalist, he says. And we are talking about Nick Honowar. I don't even know how you say his name. Nick Honowar. And I'm going to give you a little overview of who he is. He was born in a Jewish family in New York City. I don't know why. It's, I'm just reading the uh, Wikipedia of him. Raised in Bellevue, Washington. His brother is Adrian, majority owner of Seattle, Seattle Sounders FC, who has a really great fan base and a minority owner of the expansion National Hockey League team in Seattle, which is why I haven't bought any memorabilia from the NHL that has all the teams because it's about to be irrelevant. After earning a philosophy degree, back to the guy, Nicholas, after earning a philosophy degree from the University of Washington, first red flag, he began, began to work at his family-owned Pacific Coast Feather Company, where he served as co-chair and CEO. In the 1980s, he co-founded a museum-quality framing company a large West Coast franchise. So he also was an early investor in Amazon and he did a whole bunch of other stuff. He's really well off and he started because of the success of his parents, which is not a bad thing. I'm not demonizing it. It just is relevant with the talk that we're going to be going through today. And so I want to start with Nicholas's ending. And this is actually the question that he gets at the end of the TED talk and then it closes. And then we're going to break down what he is saying. And it's just incredibly scary because he is very successful and he knows how to put forth an agenda. He's part of, as he said in this TED Talk, part of the movement to get the $15 minimum wage in Seattle and all that good stuff. So I'm, unlike the last one, I should have done it for the last one. I didn't, but I want to, I'll put the link in for the full full TED talk. It's like 15 minutes long. I didn't edit anything out that wasn't relevant to what we're going to be talking about, but you can see it there if you want. I'm not like making him say something he didn't say or anything like that. I cut out a few examples that were just over the top. Okay, here we go. So this is the like summation of what he is doing here. Um, if you're so unhappy with the economic system, why not just give all your money away <laughs> and join the 99%? <laughs> yeah, no, yes, uh, right. Uh, you get that a lot. You yeah, get that a lot. If you care time. so much about taxes, why don't you pay more? And if you care so much about wages, why don't you pay more? And I could do that. The problem is, 
it doesn't make that much difference. And I have discovered a strategy that works literally a hundred thousand times better,、okay. which is to use my money to build narratives and to pass laws that require all the other rich people to pay taxes and pay their workers better. And that, <laughs> and so you know, for example, the $15 minimum wage that we Cooked up has now affected 30 million workers, and this sums up who he is, and it's scary. First, he's hypocritical and won't give his money away like he is advocating for, and you know why he doesn't do that? It's because he found a better way. See, he's going to use his money, his power, his influence to make other rich people do it. He's not going to do it. He's gonna make other rich people do it because he knows what's best to do with not only his money, but other people's money. Do you see where this is going? And he's a capitalist, quote unquote. This is why it's so important for us as Christians to be successful. This is why we should strive for making money so that we can be in these positions as well. Not to steal other people's freedom, not to steal other people's hard-earned money, but to advocate and be proponents of gospel-centered values, being part of the people fighting for the kingdom of God. Because there are people, plenty of people, tons of people on the other side doing the exact same thing, and they have the money and the power and the influence to do it. So now we're going to jump back to the beginning of his speech, and we'll start from there. I am a capitalist, and after a 30-year career in capitalism, spanning three dozen companies, generating tens of billions of dollars in market value, I'm not just in the top one percent; I'm in the top 0.01 percent of all earners. He's in the top 0.01 percent of owners. Now, in any other room. B would get applauded and be, wow, way to go, good job. So he is talking and setting up that he is the elite of the elite. And again, remember, he did have success. He has done things that have been wise, investing in Amazon and all of these things. He's had all these companies that have been merged and bought and stuff. I'm not taking away his business sense. I'm not attacking that at all. He seems to be a legit business person, but he started out in a really well-off family, and that is something he. Definitely does not mention in this clip whatsoever. Let's keep going. I have come to share the secrets of our success because rich capitalists like me have never been richer. So the question is, how do we do it? How do we manage to grab an ever increasing share of the economic pie every year? Okay, so this is what he's going to tell us. He's going to talk about. It's an introduction. That's what you do. You do it in a book. You do it in a speech. You do it in a podcast. You talk about what you're going to get into. You get into it, and then in the conclusion, you sum up where you've been. Except he doesn't talk about at all this. But notice, how did he get so rich? He's going to let us know. That's great. I want to be successful. You're listening to this podcast because you want to be successful. He's going to share with us how he was so successful in building those businesses, selling them off. How his family became wealthy and how they were able to have a long, sustainable company. He's going to get into these great tips. He's going to help coach us. No, that's not what he's going to do at all. It all comes down to just one thing: economics. All right. Well, this is what he says. The reason. 
people like him have gotten to where they are is because of economics, the branch of knowledge concerned with the production, consumption, and transfer of wealth, the conditions of a region in regards to the material prosperity. This is why rich people are getting rich is because of this, <laughs> this study of economics. Really? Because here's the dirty secret. There was a time in which the economics profession worked in the public interest for everyone, but in the neoliberal era today, there was a time where economics worked for everybody. But in this neoliberal era, now I'm going to throw up this definition on YouTube as you've probably seen. I'm going to read it for those of you who are just listening. Basically, it is the theory of a laissez-faire economic uh, liberalism, free market capitalism is the way you've probably heard it before, which constituted a paradigm shift away from past Keynesian consensus. So this is the opposite of Keynesian. It's generally associated with the policies of economic liberalization, including privatization, deregulation, globalization, trade, and austerity. And this is the problem. They work only for big corporations and billionaires. And that is creating a little bit of a problem. We could choose to enact economic policies that raise taxes on the rich, regulate powerful corporations, or raise wages for workers. We have done it before. But neoliberal economists would warn that all of these policies would be a terrible mistake. Well, this has gone off the rails really quickly. I thought we were going to be talking about how you became successful. I thought we were going to talk about how rich people like you got their money. But it all of a sudden took this weird U-turn into this non-capitalist speech on how the economy used, or economics, he says, used to work for people. It used to tax the rich. It used to redistribute income. It used to have regulations. But these neoliberals, the capitalists that he claims to be, ruined it for everybody by making it equal by making everyone have less taxes, by taking the government and having them go pound sand. No, this is the problem. This is why we got rich. And it all of a sudden took this positive turn where, hey, we're at a TED Talk. We're going to learn how to be successful to let me tell you why we're the evil people. And we're going to get into more. But first, we got to talk to you about Kingsman Grooming Pros. Go over to kingsmangroomingpros.com. Go support them. They have beard bombs, beard oils, skincare, hair products, gift sets, leather wallets, belts. I use all the stuff I can of theirs. It's great quality stuff. They are a Christian company and you get 10% off when you use HTB team. So go over there, support a Christian company. You already use these products, switch them out, support a Christian company, get high quality products and get 10% off when you use HTBT. Go over to kingsmangroomingpros.com. The link is in the show notes. Go do yourself a favor and do someone else a favor and get a gift. Get that 10% off HTBT in the checkout code area. All right, now let's get back into this. I don't know, what do you call it, a roast? I don't know. I'm just basically deconstructing everything he's saying and proving to you he's not a capitalist and that he's actually a Marxist. Because raising taxes always kills economic growth. Raising taxes does kill growth. And if you doubt this, he's a progressive, he's part of a progressive think tank, why do progressives want to tax things they want to punish? If taxing things really didn't hurt but helped, like he's going to argue, then why are we helping the tobacco industry? We should be lowering the taxes because 
then people will not take that money and use it to buy more cigarettes or they won't be able to do other. That's kind of his theory for raising taxes and minimum wage and all this stuff. Apparently it helps the economy, but taxes, raising taxes is not something that hurts an economy. So why are we taxing things we don't like, like cigarettes? And now it's those uh, e-cigarettes. And any form of government regulation is inefficient. Yes, that is true. By definition, efficiency is allocating resources in the optimal way and regulations keep them from doing that. You have to do paperwork, you have to spend money in compliance. And again, I'm not even against all of the regulations. I think there are some needed regulations. But a capitalist argument isn't saying that we shouldn't have any regulations. We shouldn't have anarchy. That's not the position. It's a straw man. And raising wages always kills jobs. Raising wages kill jobs. Now, he's going to cite Seattle with the 15-hour hike that he was a part of. And it is true, restaurants are coming out. They are opening up. But I think it's a really interesting example and area where there's this huge, you know, boom of jobs because of, you know, all the tech industry and all those things. So there's tons of money to spend and people can raise prices because there's people there making really good money in the tech industry. But it'll be interesting to see it in other areas of the country. But it is a proven factual thing, supply and demand, when there is a higher price, there's going to be more people willing to supply, that is more workers in this case, and less people willing to uh, are willing to have demand for it, or have demand for it. Demand is the willingness and ability to buy. And so there are going to be companies, there are restaurants that are going out of business as well. There are some that are starting, there are more starting than not. But there's this shifting, and I have a sneaky suspicion, I haven't studied it too much, that it's the restaurants that are able to be more high-end, that are able to raise prices, that are doing well and opening up in the people in the areas and the places where they aren't able to raise prices as much are the ones going out of business. Just a hunch, because that's how all economics work. In the USA alone, the top 1% has grown $21 trillion richer, while the bottom 50% have grown $900 billion poorer a pattern of widening inequality that has largely repeated itself across the world. All right, now he's starting to use words that don't make me think he's a capitalist. And obviously I've tilt my hand that I, he's not a capitalist. Um, but inequality, because capitalists want inequality. We think inequality is good. We don't think crony capitalist inequality is good. We don't think government intervention creating inequality is good. But the market... Creating inequality is a good thing because you give resources to people that are providing, creating value. We don't want the homeless person who doesn't want to work and doesn't want to get a job. I know not all homeless people are like this. Some of them have mental illness, all that stuff. I'm just saying, as an example, someone homeless doesn't want to get a job. We don't want them making as much money as somebody who's working and getting a job. We want the person working and having a job making more money. That's wealth inequality. And that's a good thing because we want to incentivize people to work. It's amazing how great the free market is. As middle-class families struggle to get by on wages that have not budged in about 40 years, neoliberal economists continue to warn that the only reasonable response 
to the painful dislocations of austerity and globalization is even more austerity and globalization. What is a society to do? What is a society to do? And I just want to point out that he is using this term neoliberalism to totally cloak what he's saying because he can't say capitalists think this way. He can't say free market principles because he just said he is one of those. So he's renaming what he's claiming to be to attack what he's claiming to be this whole time. And now he's saying, so what as a society are we supposed to do? And this is where it gets creepier. Well, it's super clear to me what we need to do. We need a new economics. Again, I'm putting this definition up again. We need a new economics. We need a new branch of knowledge. I, I can understand him saying we need a new theory of economics. We need to have re, uh, re our time to study and rethink different um, you know models and all this stuff. But a different economics. See, this, sometimes you just hear people and you think, are you just using big words to sound smart? What we now know is that the economics that made me so rich isn't just wrong, it's backwards. Because it turns out it isn't capital that creates economic growth, it's people. What? Wait, wait, wait. Economics that made him rich is backwards. So is he saying he didn't earn his money? Is he saying that he shouldn't have his money? Well, we just saw in the beginning when we took the end and put it in the front that he is not going to give his money away. Well, he should. Isn't he saying that it's unjust? It was backwards. It's wrong how things are. And yet he became this huge multi 0.01% of the top class rich person. So why doesn't he give his money back? Why is he? Did he steal it? He definitely didn't earn it. It's backwards. That's not how the system's supposed to work. Do you see how disingenuous this guy is? All right, this part, I'm throwing up some hammer and sickle because of how creepy it gets. And it isn't self-interest that promotes the public good. It's reciprocity. And it isn't competition that produces our prosperity. It's cooperation. Oh my goodness, he's starting to sound a little Marxy to me. His Marxy is showing. It's not competition. It's working together. It's unity. It's building. It's coming together. That is not very capitalistic. And let me just tell you, I, I'm not going to go into a big defense right now of why communism and socialism and all of these working together, making the big government tell people what to produce and what prices and all this stuff and healthcare and food production and all this stuff. Just go look at any country who's tried it. Venezuela. What we can now see is that an economics that is neither just nor inclusive can never sustain an economics that isn't just economics isn't morality it's systems it's how things work it's what you do in those systems that is just or unjust it's not the systems themselves remember capitalism is that the simplest of terms private property rights and that you have the freedom to do what you want with your own property and when you start talking about what is a society going to do or what should we do and control it like we're going to get into that is all the socialist communist big government totalitarians we know better than you it's his mindset 
I'm not going to give my money away because I can do something better. I can tell you what to do with your money, with my money. And that's, that's socialism and communism. It's the government and a small group of people thinking they can tell other people what to do with their money in a better way than they could themselves. It's scary. And this guy has lots of money. He is manipulative. He uses keywords. He changes his speech to make it seem sly, to sneak in, to make it sound really good. And all he is is purporting the policies, the economics of past dictators that have killed and murdered millions of people. Where did we go wrong? First, I want to take you through some of those mistaken assumptions and then after. So here we go on the ride, mistaken assumptions and hereafter. Describe where the science suggests prosperity actually comes from. The science is clear. Prosperity comes from capitalism. No other country other than American capitalism has done what we have done. No other country has innovated, created as many medications, has created as many innovations, has raised the poverty of its poor people to the highest level. Just compare a poor person from the United States and what they have with any other country's poor person. We win hands down every time. Neoliberal economic assumption number one is that the market is an efficient equilibrium system, which basically means that if one thing in the economy, like wages, goes up, another thing in the economy, like jobs, must go down. And this is why we cannot be scared of challenging and talking and arguing and fighting back just because they are rich people or they have degrees or we saw them in a TED talk. He is totally butchering what <laughs> efficient markets are. On purpose or not, I don't know. Maybe he's stupid or maybe he's smart and he's totally um, mischaracterizing what it means to have market efficiencies. When you have an efficient market, it is the, basically the idea that the market has perfectly priced itself, that it f has all available knowledge and has accurately determined the prices of what things are worth. And that's why you talk about beating the market is there sometimes where it's not 100% efficient and you think that you have some kind of insider knowledge, not insider tips or insider trading, but that you think from watching patterns, from studying graphs, from starting statistics, that the market isn't acting in an efficient way. So he takes what market efficiency is, allocating the resources perfectly, making prices the perfect price, that it is exactly what it's worth in value to the economy. And then he goes into supply and demand. They're two different things. And he either is purposely or ignorantly conflating the two. The second assumption is that the price of something is always equal to its value, which basically means that if you earn $50,000 a year and I earn $50 million a year, that's because I produce a thousand times as much value as you. Price does not equal value. When you are paid by an employer, they are not paying you the value you provide or they would never hire you. They're paying you less than what value you provide. And you may say, oh, that seems like you're saying that they are taking advantage of you. Nope. Remember that you find value in what they're paying you, the security, more than just your salary, the benefits, your, 
you know, the idea that you're in a corporation, you're going to have paid time off, you have a job that you believe in, or let's just assume you have all these other things that go into the value you get from the company and the value they get from the company. And you both mutually agree in a non-forced Marcus has sexual <laughs> symbols for this, but I'm going to stay keep PG about it. It's an unforced consensual relationship. And if you don't think you're getting enough value from the relationship, then you can leave or the employer can fire you. And that's the beautiful thing. Both parties can have a mutually beneficial relationship. And he is kind of throwing that out the window. People are not paid what they are worth. They are paid what they have the power to negotiate. And I just said this. I, he agrees with me or I agree with him, however you want to say it. You, people are not paid what they're worth. And that's good for reasons I just said. But now he's starting to use another socialist keyword, power. This is a critical race theory, the power to negotiate. You don't have power to negotiate. You can have leverage, and that could be leverage from skills you know, from expertise you have, from experience that you have. But he's not thinking of it that way. He's thinking of it as a group of people, the rich, have power over the people that are poor, and they can't take advantage of negotiating the terms. But hey, if you don't like what you're getting paid at one company, go negotiate another company or go learn how to negotiate. Go learn how to ask for a higher raise. Go ask your raise from your boss in your current job. There's many things you can do and it has nothing to do with how much money you have in bank account at a time. I've never had one salary negotiation where they included in there my assessment on my net wealth. My net wealth, how much I had in the bank, how many assets I had had no bearing on my salary discussions ever in the history of my life. But he is saying it does because the rich people have power. Nope. And wages falling share of GDP is not because workers have become less productive, but because employers have become more powerful. See, here it is again. Employers have become more powerful. Now, the only way that an employer could be more powerful powerful in a free market is if government was protecting them in some way. Regulations, um, trade policy, in a number of different ways, enacting laws, hiking the minimum wage like he has. Those are things that create moats around big companies. But if a company is using their power in a way that a worker doesn't like, or taking advantage of them, not paying what they're worth. In a free society, we can leave, and they will. And so the companies, over time, who don't pay as well as other companies are gonna get really crappy workers, and they're gonna go out of business, and the market's gonna take care of itself. But he has an agenda. Remember, he's the most Marxist, communist, capitalist we've ever seen. And... Oh, they got to clap like clams. And by pretending that the giant imbalance in power between capital and labor doesn't exist, neoliberal economic theory became essentially a protection racket for the rich. He's banking on you not looking up and not knowing the terms he is using. How can free markets benefit the rich alone? It's impossible. If you are free and I am free and the rich people are free, then it we don't have to enter contracts with them. We don't have to enter into deals with them. We 
As poor people can work together if we want, we can work with rich people if we want. That is, we can buy iPhones from Apple, the rich people. We can buy app, we can buy products from Bellevue, Washington, or we don't have to. It's really easy and it's really free. But see, he's trying to demonize people. He's trying to demonize the system by changing language, by changing words to make us feel helpless, to make us feel like we're being left out of something really great. But if you haven't noticed, even the poor people have it really great in the United States. The third assumption, and by far the most pernicious, is a behavioral model that describes human beings as something called homo economicus, which basically means that we are all perfectly selfish, perfectly rational, and relentlessly self-maximizing. But just ask yourselves, is it plausible that every single time for your entire life, when you did something nice for somebody else, all you were doing was maximizing your own utility? Again, he can't have a serious conversation about a topic because he can't define terms correctly. He's mischaracterizing what things are and what theories are in economics. This term that he is using, I have the definition up on YouTube while he's saying it just to make it even more of a point. It is an attempt to maximize utility as a consumer and economic profit as a producer. So what the theory is, homo economicus, is that as a consumer, I'm going to try to get the best deal possible. Not that I'm selfish and always acting in my interest when I'm, you know, laying down my life for my wife or in battle as a soldier. These are the examples he uses that I cut out. But that as a consumer, when I go to buy something, I'm looking for the best deal. I want the most value. I want the greatest benefit for my cost. Not so evil, is it? And it also, on the flip side, as a producer, I want to maximize my profits as much as I can. I want to make as much money as I can. Not evil, pretty logical. And he has to mischaracterize it as this thing like, oh, we're all just selfish people. That's not what the theory is saying that he's talking about. All right, we're going to just have to end it there. I'm really bummed. There's a lot more to get to. I had about, you know, half as more or twice as much more. But 30 minutes in. Mm. So make sure you go like the show, share the show, especially on YouTube, because that's where the liberals are going to come at me at this. And go out, be successful. We'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless.